The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat I will not wear the mask. 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 I will not wear a mask. I will not get the vaccine. I will not get the vaccine. And I will not get the vaccine. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust, and I will not be afraid. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day. For the Lord is the great God, and the great King above all. Rise up, O judge of the earth. Render punishment to the proud. Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked chime? Righteousness and justice are the foundation of this I hate the work of those who fall away. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall stand. On an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp, with harmony sound. For you, O Lord, have made me glad through your works. I will you, triumph Lord, in the works of your are on high forevermore. For behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. I will defy tyrants. 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 And good morning. <clears throat> Excuse me. Good morning, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV. WXYZ people, all the butt rockers are in the house and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution, not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. And for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns you about. I hold to the book, the Bible as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us here this morning. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so. SonsOfLibertyRadio.com and also sonsoflibertymedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio and you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, that's right, you can see the face that's made for radio, head over to sonsoflibertymedia.com and uh, you'll see two videos on the top of the page. Now, Bradley, is, some of you guys have asked, why has he not got a, a show on this week? Um, he's traveling to California. Uh, I'm assuming he's there. He said they were there the other night so uh he's there in california and they're they have a ministry trip there i think all week this week and i don't know if it goes into next week or not but you can check the schedule at sonsoflibertymedia.com bradley's schedule right there in the middle you'll find out where he is um 
But the two videos are here. The one on the left uh, is one of his educational videos. We're putting a new one of those up each day in place of the radio show. You can still hear the radio show. It's just going to be a replay on GCN. And if you scroll down on the right side of SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, you will see where you can uh, click on to listen to him right here. Looks like a big movie poster. So uh, click on that. That'll take you at 3 o'clock Eastern. That'll take you to where the uh, replay is going to be taking place. Okay. All right. And on the right side is where we're streaming live this morning. So click on the play button, blow it up on your device, and then look in the bottom right-hand corner, and you will find uh, where the uh, Rumble icon is. Okay. And uh, join us in the chat. Click on that. By the way, we're streaming to Rumble as well. Sons of Liberty Radio Live. Be sure to subscribe to our page there. We'd appreciate that very much. Also, before it's news.com, top of the page dlive.tv at the sons of liberty twitch setting rush fires and uh, of course streaming live here on sons of liberty media.com and if you're a part of our telegram group and that is in if you're on the video platforms that's in there otherwise you can search for sons of liberty on telegram we also stream live there every morning and afternoon when bradley's on uh, in the afternoon we're streaming live there as well so cover all those and if you guys would like to help us out real quickly um there's a donate button at the top of sonsoflibertymedia.com. You can click on that and make a one-time donation, or you can partner with us monthly as a son or daughter of liberty. And because of your support, we're able to do the things like what Bradley's doing out in California with his family, the radio shows, the internet uh, webpage, and and other things that we're involved in. So we really appreciate you guys help your uh, the backbone, really, of the ministry here. And so we appreciate you very much. Our store is also available. Um, but remember, these things are... Uh, items that uh, in many cases you guys have requested this week we're highlighting the for the children book this is the book by uh, stephanie joy it's normally ten dollars and again if the ears won't hear it you tell it to the eyes and this is uh it's graphic it's got some graphic pictures of what happens in an abortion and um so if you've got representatives if you've got to friends or whoever who are pro-choice to murder their babies well then they need to have this. And this week only, you can get 25% off through Saturday night at midnight. And use the promo code LIFE. Pretty simple. Use promo code LIFE, and you'll get 25% off of that. Let me hit a couple of highlights here um, from sonsoflibertymedia.com. Oh, do you guys remember uh, Nina Jankowicz? You know, the lady who tried to play uh, Mary Poppins and, you know, sing that little song as she was going to head up the Ministry of Truth. Well, they collapsed the Ministry of Truth, and because of that, you know, they're, they're whatever it was, Disinformation Governance Board. That's what they try to call it. It's really the Ministry of Truth from Orwell's 1984. Well, she's resigned now. <laughs> yeah, Bethany, quit her. <laughs> yeah, she's a chump. People, people found out what she was. And rightly called it out. Uh, she she tried to make it as though it wasn't about that, but people rightly called it out. And uh, don't, but but look, don't get carried away. She's going to show up somewhere else. You can bet your bottom dollar she will, and this will come back in a new form somewhere along the line. But you got to be vigilant about it, right? The tyrants are vigilant. You got to be just as vigilant, even more so. Okay, SonsLibertyMedia dot com. Over one hundred twenty thousand Hunter Biden emails uploaded to searchable database. Um, yeah, okay, we've got that. Where are the arrests? This is what I keep asking. Speaking of this, the chick who I just mentioned was the one who said that this Hunter Biden laptop stuff was Russian disinformation. 
maybe there's a discrediting that go on when both of these things kind of happen, you know, right around the same time. Who knows? Also, I'm um, going to bring up this one, and I'm going to wait and save that one in a second because I want to play the short video uh, before we get into our show today. Concerns raised as Uganda plans DNA upgrade for biometric ID cards coming to a jurisdiction near you. Yep, well, they've been working on this stuff across the planet for years. So this isn't just Uganda, but just remember, Africa is where they do a lot of these testings, especially vaccines. They do a lot of that stuff there. 5G and other things have been rolled out there, and uh, some people have rose up and said, no, we're not having any of that. Um, also, sonsofalertymedia.com, super creepy military recruitment video tells the truth about a bizarre psychological operations that the U.S. is running. And then, let's see, innocent man cooked alive after Florida deputy tasered him while pumping gas. I mean, do they, are they not teaching these guys, hey, you know, you don't get out of your car and pump your gas and smoke a cigarette, right? <laughs> How, well, it must be okay to use my taser right there at the gas pump, man. Merka. I mean, this must be what some of these guys think. I, I just, I don't get what goes on in their mind some of the things that they do, but anyhow, there it is. Also, SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, get ready to be muzzled the coming war on so-called hate speech. This is from our friend John Whitehead at the Rutherford Institute. And, you know, this has already been taking place. And what people have to understand is all, all speech is free speech. Okay? The only speech that is considered criminal or should be considered criminal in nature are threats against other people lies if you're going to if you're going to uh, engage in perjuring yourself uh, yourself in court that's not free speech okay that's a crime but to call out certain things as wrong is not a crime look we can deal with the the warped lawless people who will say things about us that aren't true, we can deal with them in the court for defamation, can we not? Yet if they want to promote their worldview, we're to be those who aren't scared of that. We're to contend for the faith, are we not? We're to contend with that worldview. Now, there's one other that I left for last, and, uh, and that is um, this one. City mayors working directly with UN as U.S. government surrenders authority to the World Health Organization. Now, there's a lot of talk about this. The Biden administration has, uh, and I call them the Benedict Arnold Biden administration, has uh, submitted 13 amendments to this thing to just give overwhelming control over 194 countries, including ours, to determine pand pandemics and to determine the course that follows that. In other words, what the policies are going to be. And they want to give this to terrorist Teddy over there at the World Health Organization. This is what they want to do. This is a short report, just a few minutes, by Greg Reese, and then we're going to get into our topic. Take a listen. Next week in Geneva, Switzerland, Members of the World Health Organization, which was founded on the principles of establishing a one-world government, will be voting to give themselves worldwide authority when it comes to official international health emergencies. The same World Health Organization who praised Communist China's extreme authoritarian lockdown against the Chinese people, who suggested forcibly separating families to quarantine them 
in most parts of the world, <clears throat> due to lockdown, most of the transmission that's actually happening in many countries now is happening in the household. No, it's not. And you've level. never proven that. In some senses, transmission has been taken off the streets and pushed back into family units. Now we need to go and look in families to find those people who may be sick and remove them and isolate them. I don't even in, need to do that. This dude is sick manner. for going out of his jurisdiction. Taking the H1N1 pandemic in 2010. The same World Health Organization run by Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus, who's been working with the Clinton Foundation and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation since 2007, who said that the lockdowns will never end. I repeat, there will be no return to the old normal for the foreseeable future. And that the war in Ukraine was getting massive attention as a result of bias against black lives. The U.S. government is in full support of this new U.N. treaty with the WHO and has submitted 13 amendments, which will be voted on next week, that will give the WHO international authority on lockdowns, forced quarantines, and forced vaccinations. According to constitutional lawyer Robert Barnes, none of this is legally binding until a treaty is approved by the U.S. Senate. But the law hasn't been stopping these criminals from committing crimes against humanity so far. And if they plan on staying in power, they are going to have to bring back the lockdowns and the ballot harvesting mules. So we know it's coming, and it will soon be climate lockdowns to go with their climate migration. People are waking up, but the UN's agenda is aggressively pressing forward. The United Nations is meeting this week with members of the Mayor's Migration Council, which is comprised of nine mayors from nine different cities throughout the world, including Eric Garcetti of Los Angeles, California. The Mayor's Migration Council is funded by George Soros's Open Society Foundations, sponsored by the Rockefeller Foundation and partnered with the United Nations. And their stated goal is pretty clear. They want to grant mayors the ability to bypass state and federal government when it comes to what they call climate migration and go straight to international organizations for resources. They are inviting all interested mayors or senior city staff members to contact them at contact at mayorsmigrationcouncil.org to learn how to engage with the international system and learn how to get funding and boots on the ground support. This all sounds completely illegal, but who's gonna stop them? There is no longer any justice in America. So expect more lockdowns as the food supply diminishes and the population around you surges with hungry foreign migrants. Reporting for InfoWars, this is Greg Reese. All right, so you guys, uh, you guys get the uh, the idea of what's going on here. It's a very serious thing, and there's something in there that he said. There's no justice in America. He's exactly right. I spoke with Colonel um, Teresa Long. You guys probably remember her. She was the lady who uh, I think uh, grounded three pilots in one day because of the deadly shots. She spoke out at Senator Ron, Ron Johnson's um, uh, symposium that he had for those who had been injured. Those like herself, who had witnessed these kinds of things, spoke with her yesterday, and she said the same thing. If we think we're going to win this thing in the courts, we are sadly mistaken. She said they they are so corrupt now that all they're doing is holding out carrots for people saying, we'll give you justice, but they don't. And uh, so we're trying to bring her on. She's got to clear some things before 
she can tell me yes or no. So we're going to see if we can bring her on. But this is a very serious issue. And, you know, I, I got to tell you that when they say the U.S. government is on board, we're taught to think that way, aren't we? How many of you are on board with what you just heard? Yeah, well, you are the government, right? You and me, we're the government. We just have representatives for us in a place called the District of Criminals, right? Up there. And they're not representing us. And that's part of the problem. So we've got to stand against this. We've got to be alert on this. This is coming up here very shortly as far as our country is concerned. And I'm eager to see if there's anybody with an ounce of loyalty to the people they represent who are going to oppose this. And I mean, I don't care what your party stripe is. It's just, it's absolutely crazy. So in any case, our our topic today is not on the political. We're going to be dealing with uh, prepping again and specifically how to deal with predators and pests. <laughs> and uh, before we, when we did in the gardening, one of the amazing things that kind of struck me was uh, how David would plan his gardening and use different kinds of plants to mix up the scent to keep away bugs and, and animals and things like that, which I thought was very cool. Um, and I'm, I was very fascinated by that because I'd never really thought about that. My wife had put out certain uh, flowers in between plants before, and she said, well, this will keep certain things away and this, that, and the other. And it never really dawned on me what that was. So I, I really learned something in that. But David Pruitt from the Miracle Sav is back with us this morning. And uh, I think he's a uh, he had a little rough day yesterday, but uh, he seems okay this morning. Good morning, David. Good to see you, man. Blessed morning, brother. Yeah, good to see you. And uh, now we've got we've got one. This this topic here this morning is one your wife actually wanted you to talk about, and that's dealing with predators and pests on the homestead. And then and again, David's got this thing. He I I don't know. You had about two dozen topics or something that you were thinking of when we first started about this. And there are things that many people probably would not sit here and think, oh, I'm going to need this too. They think, I got my beans and rice, I got my storable food, got some gold and silver, and got my guns and my ammo, and I'm good for the apocalypse. And yet, we've come across all kinds of things where, I mean, it really is, it's like a whole nother world when you get into what you're preparing for, and it's because you're preparing for a different kind of world, in, in fact. Yeah, I think that a lot of people get this, uh, you know, this romantic, you know, I'm preparing for the apocalypse. And they think of some Hollywood movie where everyone gets like running water at the end of the day and uh, everybody gets to turn on the hot water and it's there. They don't have to worry about it. Or it's like the Book of Eli, you know, that movie. And it's everything is so glorified. Yep. In that. And it's really not like that in the real world. You know, there's this, uh, there's a veneer, you know, think of like dentures, you know, they're, they're a veneer for what, what the real thing is. And there's a lot of veneers in society. There's a civilization itself is a veneer um, because a lot of people, you know, if they, if things were not like they are today, they would not act the same way. And the reason we're talking about this topic is, um, my wife thought that it would be very helpful to many people because a lot of people get into this and they think that everything is as easy as it looks on television and it is not. So I'm going to give you some tips and tricks that are going to help you out. 
So the first thing when it comes to predators and pests is you have to be able to identify predators and pests. So when you're identifying them, you can use field guides. When you're, when you're first getting started, using field guides really is how a lot of people start. Probably is the cheapest and easiest way. You don't have to go take classes. I'm sure there's people out there who will charge you you know, $10,000 to do a class like that, right? You don't need to do that. You have no obligation to go to any classes. You can honestly learn a lot of what you need. You can take, you can make your own field guides. You can print things off. This is a field guide to, um, it's max field guides to um, garden bugs of the Midwest. So one side is good. Well, this is the good side and this is the bad side. And it tells you what the bugs look like and the sizes. And it's got a scale on this side for you to use to identify bugs. Now, these, these kind of things are very useful. I use that out in the garden all the time because there are just so many insects. Now, insects are, are fairly easy to get under control. There are some pests that are not as easy to deal with. Now, we're talking about like weasels, birds of prey. Birds of prey are fairly easy to deal with in your, uh, in your enclosures. Um, if you've got like uh, some type of fencing that you can hang it off of, you can use like bright colored string. Believe it or not, if you run that across you, the top of your fencing, you will not have birds of prey want to dive down into that to get your chickens and stuff like that. Because what happens is they have very good eyesight. So when they come down and they see that, it looks like they're, they're not going to be able to... Uh, get in there and get your chickens, okay? They, they think that that's a branch or something that they can get caught up in, okay? So that works really, really well, but we need to be able to identify our, uh, I've got a few books here. We'll go over which are my favorite, but you need to be able to identify your pests. You need to be able to identify the wildlife because sometimes there are good pests, there are bad pests depending on what you're asking yourself. You know, at times, raccoons can keep certain things under control. Like, let's say you have a crawdad infestation in your creek. Raccoons are probably who you want to clean them out of there. They are, however, not what you want in your chicken feed because they will get it everywhere and they will invite the whole neighborhood to come in. <laughs> yes. And if you don't believe me, Leave the lid off to your chicken feed and invite some raccoons over and see how many of their friends they invite over. So when we talk about pests, we need to be able to identify the pests so we can come up with a plan. Because without a plan, you really can't design a system. You can't design um, anything like that. And also identifying what types of pests are a problem in your area. In North America, Raccoons, coyotes, birds of prey, snakes, insects. Um, possums are very lazy. If you have a reasonably well-set-up system, normally possums are not that big of a deal if you're not leaving out a bunch of food. Um, on occasion, I've been known to have to deal with possums. They're fairly easy to deal with. They're not super smart, 
and they're super lazy. So if you make it really easy for them, they're probably going to come into your trap. And if you put the stinkiest, nastiest stuff in there, they will find it. So when we talk about identification of the pest, we need to identify the pest so we can identify what the most effective means to get rid of the pest is going to be. Because when it comes to garden pests, when it comes to anything like that, you need to be able to identify the pest so you can come up with that plan, so you can institute that plan in a fast, efficient manner. Now, um, I'm going to pull something up. I think. Okay. We're going to put this up. We've got a few... So we've got some birds of prey in here. This is a HarperCollins Complete North American Wildlife Guide. Okay. So we've got some birds of prey and stuff in here. By being able to reference all this material in here, you can come up with a plan. So let's say I actually, the HarperCollins, that was a gift to me. Um, I actually prefer the uh, Reader's Digest North American Wildlife Guide. And here is why I like this so much is it has a wide range of numerous different things from birds to reptiles to, um, and I will. So I'm dropping a couple of these. If you guys aren't able to keep up with them, I am dropping some of these into the chat so that you guys, I mean, you, you'll see what it is. You can, buy from where the link is or you can go where you want to uh, but I always try to do that so that you guys have that and you can set it up Beth says the one thing she's learned from you is that she needs a bigger library and a good library at that so that's that's very good reference reference material is probably one of those things like I know that you're and I'm not trying to be rude to anyone or anything like this but a very good friend of mine once said that you can't remember everything doesn't matter how good your brain is and if you feel you're brain with all of the material that you could easily reference, then you will soon find out that you are out of information storing capacity because you were only given so much film, even if you've got a photographic memory. So I'm just going to show this real quick. The reason I like this book so much is we've got decent photos of both male and female birds. We've got the ranges for many of these animals. Oh, I can't. Sorry, it's up here. On the right there. Um, you've got the range for them. For North America, it'll show you their, their general range. And on the mammals side of the equation. Uh, I Same wish. kind of deal, huh? They lay those out as well. Yeah, yeah they lay this out, but they uh, they actually have a better layout for the mammals this is what my favorite thing is but some See, of what got... you some of what you're talking about here deals with the issue of some people just want to get rid of every pest and in some cases that's not what we want to do we want to actually like use them but maneuver them away from where we don't want them right yeah so by setting up fences by setting up all these things what you do is you're and by having livestock guardian dogs by doing all this what you're doing is you're creating perimeters, okay? And you can use scent, you know, like a livestock guardian dog 
goes out there and urinates all around the corners of the property and stuff, it lets uh, other canines in the area know, hey, you know what? There's 150 pound, big, woolly, hairy teeth, uh, teethy monster thing out there. And I don't want to get ate today. That's what they think. Because I've seen coyotes come up to a fence, see a livestock herding dog, go, oh crap, and turn around and run. So the the fact is, is that that like coyotes and stuff, they play a genuine role. Like I've seen foxes out in the field in an abandoned farmer's field, digging up gophers and eating like uh, rats and mice and rodents, that kind of thing. I've seen owls do the same thing. I've had an owl out in my apple tree. Everybody wants to go and shoot owls out where I am whenever they see one, unless it becomes a problem with my chickens, unless it wants to eat my poultry, I don't really have a problem with the thing because here's the, here's the deal is there is balance when you have predators taking care of things like rodents. If you don't have them taking care of them, now you are going to be the one dealing with them. And I don't care for rodents that much, so I need all the help I can with dealing with them. So if you're if you're wise about things, you look at how God has designed the system. What he's you know he he tells us in the scripture that he gives each of the animals the food that for them to eat, just like he does for us. He provides for us. Um, he provides for the flowers of the field, and the Bible says, "How much more does he care for you?" So we see those kinds of things. But if we plan, if we plan our homestead correctly. We can take into account those kinds of things and we can do less. We can do initial work up front to make sure that we know what we're doing in that, but we can do less work in the long run, right? Yeah. So like what, like we talked about earlier, think of everything as a system, you know, all of your, everything's going to work together. And the more, um, you know, think of permanent agriculture, permaculture, um, think about permaculture um, concepts of like, Hey, you know, where do I see this in 10 years? Where is You know, if you put in the time now, it's going to pay for itself a hundred times over because one of the big issues is people don't think about pests. They don't think about pest pressure, disease. They don't think about these things. And then what happens is they get almost all the way there and then they get discouraged because they have, you know, most of their livestock um, taken out. And you can hear my rooster outside uh, letting the whole world know that he's awake. <laughs> but, and he, you know, and the thing is, is that a, a lot of people don't realize, you know, in nature, ro- the rooster protects the chickens, okay? So having a rooster is actually part of the natural cycle of things. <laughs> Like, although they can be annoying at times, mine is very entertaining, but although they can be annoying at times, they are needed because they, um, you know, they are like a, think of like having a watchdog. That rooster is out there. Every time he sees a predator, he sends an alert call and then everybody goes into the, the chicken coop until they hear that it's safe to come out. <laughs> okay. That's what you really need. And I, I've met so many people over my life who have not set up their systems correctly because, you know, they only want chickens. They don't want a rooster because I don't want any noise or anything like that. 
Well, there are ways to get around that, or you could just suck it up and, you know, like a rooster is a lot less annoying than hearing like car traffic. I, I, I would rather hear that rooster than anything, you know, anything mechanical. Um, but when we're, when we're thinking about predators and pests and, you know, you've got to think about, you're going to have rodent pressure. You're going to have rodents trying to get to that food. You're going to have all these different things. You're going to have squirrels trying to get in there, uh, chipmunks, groundhogs. You, you just, you're going to have pest pressure. And you need to be able to design the system accordingly and be able to use different, um, whether it be traps, live catch traps are really, really good because now you keep them in a live state. So now you don't have to kill them. Like if you got in a really bad situation, now you don't have to kill it um, or you don't have to deal with the animals so quickly. So if you don't have time to skin it out and everything, it isn't a big deal when the thing's alive. Okay. So you, you can buy yourself some time by, you know, putting some water in there or something like that. Okay. You can, you can keep the thing alive if you're going to eat it later or what have you. Okay. And raccoon, possum, possum's probably my least favorite of the, of the meats. It's pretty greasy and they eat a lot of nasty stuff and you are what you eat and you'll start smelling like it too. And possum's kind of do. Um, <laughs> that's really bad. That's really bad. Let me let me let me ask something along these lines because someone in the chat mentioned early on that they just uh, had seen a on I guess on their property a six foot a rat snake. Now I'm one that leaves black snakes alone um, because I realize they eat the poisonous snakes and they eat rats and other things, but they can be a problem if they get in your chicken coop and start eating your eggs too. So what would be a what would be a situation that you might have where there would be a solution for something like that? Okay, so um before I tell you what the solution is, let me tell you guys that I am all for beneficial pests. There are good pests. Black snakes happen to be one of them, but they can also be a pain in the butt. And uh we had a 7-foot black snake. Um we've actually had two of them that we got. Um that were in the chicken coop. I normally wouldn't care, but they ate all my eggs and I like eating the eggs. And I was given dominion over these chickens because God saw fit to uh, bless me with them. So the snake no longer got free meals. And then I fed the snake to my chickens after I cut them up into little tiny pieces. Okay. Well, that's one way to deal um, with it, to get rid of it. But what about if you wanted to keep that guy? Um, so the, the problem for me was I had tried numerous ways to keep them out of things. And what, what they will do is once they get a taste for eggs, once they get a taste, it's kind of like if a bear or something like that gets a taste for, let's say chicken or duck, and you can put up the best fence on earth and a bear will peel it open. Like it's a tuna can with one of those easy pull tabs. It'll pull the whole thing open. And then, then it'll eat what you didn't want it to eat and you tried to keep it out of. And then it, it'll, you'll wake up in the morning thinking that everything's good and dandy and you'll be going to get your first sip of coffee and then you'll look out there and you will not be happy. So snakes can get into places that a lot of animals like snakes can get into places where rats, mice, those kind of things can get into. Now, um, I have tried numerous things to keep black snakes out of um, coops. 
if I would have had the time to deal with it, I would have, uh, I've used wooden eggs in the past. Wooden eggs or plastic eggs work very, very well. And you can use a, uh, uh, minnow trap. You put the, the wooden eggs in there and what'll happen, the snake goes in there. He eats the, uh, wooden eggs, then can't get out. Okay. So that's one, that's one trapping method for snakes. And that works for poisonous snakes, not just, uh, you know, I've known people who've used that for rattlesnakes, all kinds of different snakes. Um, that works very, very well. Black snakes, I normally don't like to take. And the reason is, is I had a big squirrel that I tried everything I could get to kill. And then I watched a black snake eat the guy, eat the, uh, eat the squirrel down at the apple tree. Like a big, it, it was probably a good five foot black snake, but he, that black snake never came and ate my chicken eggs or messed with my chickens. So the thing is, it's, it's also a balancing act because sometimes sometimes beneficial pests can become a actual problem on your homestead when they when they are no longer taking care of the issue that they're supposed to be taking care of so for me the the uh the feeding the snake to the chickens uh, that was just kind of like he had been tormenting them a little while okay um and i finally got him so we we took care of that one um I have found that when black snakes are small, they don't tend to be a problem. When they get really, really big and they get a taste for chicken eggs, they will find a way in there. Um, it's just once they get a taste for that, it's kind of like uh, bears. If, if you know any cattle farmers and a bear gets a taste for beef, you just you they will kill every cow that they want to to eat. Um, so that that's something that you need to be aware of. You also need to be aware of that there are um, different indicators, okay? So, like, if you come into your chicken coop and you see that all the heads are removed from everything and uh, all the tail feathers have been kind of, like, pulled out, it might be a weasel um, because they tend to like to kill for the fun, not for the meat. Um, Another thing that you'll notice is that as you get better and better at identifying different pests, their indicators, their tracks, things like that, you'll be able to look at a situation and be like, okay, that was a, that was a hawk. That was a chicken hawk or, oh, that was a, you know, that was some kind of bird of prey or, hey, you know, that, that was a snake got in there and got this, uh, got that chick or, hey, you know what, they're, they're, that's coyote scat near the, near the chicken coop. You'll be able to identify these things. And by being able to identify them, you'll be able to preventatively, you know, if you can identify scat, if you can identify things like that, you can actually become preventative. So you can see a lot of these problems before they become problems and, um, you know, avoid many of the issues. Now, there are certain pests like groundhogs. Don't have a ton of use for groundhogs, I'll be honest with you. Um, they do taste delicious if you cook them upright. Um, they're kind of like uh, roast beef. I think that's a fair comparison. They're kind of like beaver. Um, beaver and, and uh, beaver was a delicacy. Um, you know, back in the good old days, everybody loved beaver. And if you've had really good roast beef, that's what beaver tastes like. Really good roast beef. Interesting. Um, now, as far as the groundhogs go, a lot of that comes down to what they've been eating, where they've been living, all that. Um, the old ones tend to be a lot more gamey. 
The young ones are tender and delicious. Now, um, the thing with groundhogs is, is they will, they will get underneath your foundations. They will destroy your plants. I had one pull up a whole spaghetti squash plant like a ninja in the middle of the night. Like it was like the Viet Cong came into my garden and strategically removed plants. Okay. They are, uh, groundhogs can be very, very destructive. So, um, some things that I would suggest looking into because you are but one man, you cannot sit and, uh, pull security on your garden 100% of the time. I don't care how much time you've got on your hand. You've got more important things to be doing than that. Maybe you should be storing some more beans and rice. Maybe you should be doing something. Maybe you should be working on your water supply. Maybe you should be working on your mindset. Maybe you should be working on that spiritual fitness. Um, but you don't have enough time to be able to sit there and just guard the, the chicken coop, just guard the garden. So you really need to look into force multipliers when it comes to pests. And really, force multipliers come into a few different categories. You've got traps. You've got snares. Um, and in traps, you've got that would include live catch traps. That would include conibears. Conibears are probably one of my favorites. Um, the uh, I can't remember. They, they've got the big ones for the like wolves and beaver and that kind of thing. That um, I I keep a few of those at least. This is the bare minimum, okay, guys. For a small homestead, I keep a couple, one or two of the really big conibears okay and you need the tool to set them because uh if you're doing it by yourself and you're trying to do the whole uh um like setting the safeties and all that stuff it's very hard when your hands get cold so it's really nice to have that safety device that you know the the set tool really really nice um you don't need it for the smaller ones you definitely need it for the for the larger conibears so like my favorites are probably the 110 and the 220 are, are the ones that i use all the time um and the 110 are going to be like the small those are like for your squirrels your rats your uh that uh, those size of uh, rodents i've gotten snakes in them before um, now the thing about traps is conibears especially is you have to remember that they are indiscriminate killers. If something puts its, you know, if your toddler puts their arm in there, it's going to hurt them seriously. So you need to realize that when you set these traps and stuff, they need to be in a place where your dogs and the little ones are not going to be getting into them. And if if they are, you need to have a safety briefing on uh, on why we don't do that. Okay, like. When you put a stick in there that's that big in diameter and it'll shear the thing in half, it will probably do worse to your toddler, okay? Um, because there's a lot of connective tissue and stuff like that in there. and It's just going to be really nasty. So be very careful with conibears. Um, live set traps are really nice around children and stuff because at least there, there isn't any mechanism in the trap that's going to, to seriously injure them. Um, but you need to also let them know that there's a ticked off little angry animal in there and we don't put our fingers in there ever because if you put your finger in there, it will probably not be there very long. So 
Conibear's one of the most useful tools. You can make your own self-locking snares. Uh, that is maybe that's something that we could make some content on if people really want that. Um, but you you can make your own self-locking snares. You can take pre nineteen eighty three pennies. You can bend those into a ninety degree. You can drill a couple of small holes, and you can use that to make your own locking snares with a little bit of cable and just a few basic hand tools. David, uh, when you, when you're talking about some of these uh, like moles, chipmunks, um, groundhogs, things of this nature, would you would you say a cat or having a, a couple of cats out in the yard is a good thing for things like that? Because I know I've seen that when we would have. Some of the cats have moved inside, uh, which I kind of have a problem with because uh, the hair and stuff. But anyway, they were very good about being outside. And, of course, they come up, you know, with a bird in their mouth or something. Look what I got, you know, and they dump it on your porch. But but they would often catch these little mice. They would catch little chipmunks, uh, moles, uh, groundhogs, all those kinds of things. And we didn't have to we didn't have to worry about it. So would you say that's a good thing, having two or three cats on the outside uh, that, that take care of stuff like that? Yes, but you can accomplish. Everybody likes to tell me about cats, but I don't have much use for cats. Uh, okay. My, well, we have family members who are allergic, um, like highly allergic. And I have found that cats have caused a lot of issues <laughs> over the years, especially in the garden. There's nothing like digging up a cat turd in the garden. Um, isn't that fertilizer for it? <laughs> Disgusting, man. The parasite load that they have, and uh, they're just there. Uh, well, we got a question here when you're talking about that. Go ahead. So let me finish the, the answer, and then we'll take that question. So if you have a good mouser, a good barn cat, that is wonderful. Um, you should love having that thing. Um, I'm all for that. We have a couple of feral cats that I don't mess with because they just, they take care of uh, um, some of the rodent pressure. So to me, that's really important. If you can, if you can manage that, if you can have, if, if you can have them and them and them not become a problem. I have seen, you know, where, you know, you get a few feral cats move in, they start breeding. And the next thing you know, you've got 50 or 70 cats on five acres. And that's just not cool at all. That's a lot of cat food. Yeah, well, my kids didn't understand that when they were little. And so they don't find homes for them. Mama keeps getting pregnant. There's 16 cats in the yard. Guess what we're doing? Gather them cats up because we're taking them somewhere. We're not going to take them to the... Um, you know, the, the animal place, because they're just going to kill them. So I uh, take yeah. them somewhere out, let them out in the woods. At least they have a chance to live there. And, you know, God's pretty much taking care of that, that kind of stuff, that instinct. We've got a question, though. Um, what about scarecrows and windmills to scare away critters? What's, what's the re rationalization behind things like that? So scarecrows, um, scarecrows sometimes work, sometimes they don't. Um, depends on how long they've been set up. Uh, there are easier ways using like foil tapes, um, CDs you can hang from trees and stuff, and they will they will spin even in the slightest of breezes. Um, you can actually go and you can put up uh, um, you can put up like owl decoys. Same idea. Excuse me. Owl decoys and things like that are the same. 
idea is putting up a scarecrow. And uh, then another thing is, is if you have problems with a specific type of bird or whatever, um, you could ventilate that particular bird. I'm just saying that this is an option. Um, you know, if, it, if it's all kosher in your neck of the woods, you can ventilate that particular type of bird or relieve it from being a pest anymore. And then you can actually hang that thing up from like a, uh, uh, a flagpole or something like that, where it can be seen from a long ways off. And then you won't have any more issues with that predator because all his buddies are going to say, well, it didn't work out so good for him. And believe it or not, animals are smarter than you give them credit for. They're smarter than most people. Now, I've, I've heard, David, that um, sometimes when we're dealing with poisonous snakes and things of that nature, that if you uh, kill them and you hang them up in a tree or something like that, kind of low to the ground, that other ones will pick up on that, too. I think that's sort of what you're saying. Uh, I've never, well, I did. I did, I did hang one up in the tree, but I never saw if any of them came came up and saw he was hanging there and said, mm, we'll just go along another way. But I, I understand that that actually does work. It, I, I have seen it work. I, you know what? I don't. I, I'm very sorry, everybody. I have not been able to get any pests to fill out any app like job application. <laughs> so I can tell you that although I've dealt with many pests in my life. I have never had one fill out any paperwork for me, even when asked. Yeah, of course. Of course. I, su I suppose you throw it up there, and if they, they're not around, then you can assume it works. Yeah. Um, you know, what I found is I found that if you leave, if you leave enough of the beneficial, like, you know, I had like a, the other day out in my front lawn, I had like a, probably a good four and a half to six foot. I couldn't tell exactly how long he was because he wasn't out straight, but a huge garter snake. I mean, cute, the biggest one I've ever seen. And what I find is every year that I don't mess with stuff, the better things get, the better the system improves. The more, the more you work on it, the better it'll get. Um, you'll notice that um, individuals who are trying to constantly improve their system are always looking for little nuggets of information you know something that that will help improve the system as a whole because a one percent improvement is still a that's that could be a huge improvement in a system you know if you're 99 percent of the way there and you get it to that hundred percent where it's just flowing perfect that one percent made a huge difference okay so when we're talking about pests and everything, it's whatever works. It's not stupid if it works. You can also use urine. Um, you can do a perimeter of urine. Um, you know, I, I know it sounds gross nowadays, but, you know, think about your dog goes out there, marks all the corners of the property and everything. Um, so that's something that you can do. I've, um, I have used that around the chicken coop. We had some major predator problems for a while there um, when I was working on some stuff. So I ended up going doing a perimeter of um, urine around that that whole thing, and it worked out fantastically. Okay, all right, yeah, and I, I like I like having a I, I like having a good dog on the property if they'll learn to go to the bathroom somewhere where we're not walking. <laughs> That's the real problem uh, with you know at least the cats will bury it right, uh, but the dogs eh just yeah. You know. 
You got I, a deuce I, sitting out in the middle of the, the thing there. I just, uh. I'd rather step in doggy poop than go pick up carrots and then get like, think, oh, that's mud. Oh, no, it's not mud. Yes. Yeah. So that's just my two cents. But I, hey, you know, if you can get uh, barn cats to do work for you, that's wonderful. Another option is if you have problems with uh, the cats reproducing or something like that, contact some organic fr- um, grower friends of yours who are, you know, growing organic produce and stuff. They can always use another barn cat it seems like especially people are expanding their um, their growing spaces and everything because they're going to need help with keeping the pest pressure low yep yep use them for what they're good for i get it yeah yeah. and then um so another thing is when you buy conibears and stuff those one tens of smaller ones for like squirrels rats though those are the things squirrels and rats are really like the things that you're going to be dealing with 95% of the time, I would say like, uh, you know, small pests, whether it be garden pests or whether it be, um, you know, rodents, uh, groundhogs, see groundhogs are what I call a, uh, you know, they're just a general pest because although they like causing chaos in your garden, they're just as happy ruining your home as they are digging up your garden. So, um, and I know that there must be, God has a great plan for groundhogs, just not on my homestead. <laughs> okay. Yeah, well, I mean, he's got, a, he's got a good plan in all of the things that he's created. You know, when he, that's a, it's hard to imagine how perfect everything was in the garden. And, how it all worked together. And, you know, when we were teaching through Genesis one time, you kind of come to the conclusion that, well, Adam obviously worked in the garden. What did he do? Well, he was harvesting. That's all, that's pretty much what he was doing and expanding the garden. Um, so he was keeping that up. It was work. It wasn't something that was, you know, detestable or anything. That was actually good. But, you know, we've come to this point where, you know, a lot of these things just become a problem. You know, God said that he would bring forth thistles and, and thorns out of the earth and man's going to earn, you know, his bread by the sweat of his brow. All these kinds of things are part of, of the fall. But it seems to me that you have this concept that even though there's the fall, God still provided in the midst of that to aid in what we're doing. And David, we're coming up on the end of the show here. You got about 20 seconds. Tell people where they can find out about you, and then we'll, we'll carry over on the other side, because I want to get to some of these insects issue. If you'd, like to, if you'd like to support our ministry, you can go to uh, themiraclesav.com, uh, Proofs Tree Resin Ministries. You can go to the About Us page. You can learn more about us. You can go to the shop page. You can get uh, different. Okay. All right. Uh, David Pruitt, he's going to hang on with us just a little bit. We're going to talk a little bit about insects and maybe some other things on the other side of this. So catch us uh, in the morning again, 6 a.m., but it's already Friday. Lord willing. We'll talk to you then. Catch us on SonsOfLibertyMedia.com for the rest. Okay. want to welcome everybody coming over from Red State Talk Radio. And David, one of the questions, you know, we didn't, we, we kind of started off on this at the, at the beginning of the show, but one of the things is like, some of these insects you get in your garden, beetles. I, I don't know what God's plan is for beetles. I, I don't know what, I, but I know if they get in your garden, they're going to just devastate it. Um, some people, we don't have that problem here, but in other parts of the world, locusts and things of this nature, stuff that, that eats up your, your goodies. So 
one of the things that um, you know we used to use before we got wise to it was all this white powder you put on there and everything. But obviously, you don't want to do that. So there's some, I think there's some flowers and things like that that you can use. But there's other stuff. Do you got a suggestion of what people could use for certain types of insects that I, I guess we would say North America that would be common to the North American continent and how they can deal with them without using harsh chemicals and stuff like that. You got something for that? I have something wonderful for that. <laughs> okay. And everyone's going to thank me because I'm going to tell you how, uh, how low-cost organic agriculture has already fit, uh, fixed that problem. Now, I will tell you that with uh, proper planting of certain scent, not just scent confusers like what we were talking about earlier, but also planting certain types of um, like dill, for instance, um, dill, there's a number of different herbs that attract beneficial insects that will predate, uh, that are predatory and will eat, whether it be, you know, like all kinds of different things. Think of like ladybugs and how they eat aphids. Okay. So there are many beneficial pests that will come or insects, I should say, not, they're not a pest. There are many beneficial insects that will come or birds and all kinds of things that will come and take care of your garden. The problem is, is you've got to instill that. You've got to learn those things. So when we talk about, um, when I'm talking about organic um, agricultural sprays and stuff, I'm talking as a last resort. This is like, these are, these are things that you do when things are getting a little out of control and you would not like, or you would not, you would like to not lose your plants. So, like for instance, this year I grew a bunch of Blue Beauty tomatoes, um, Brad's Atomic Grape, um, Giant Belgium, a whole a whole variety. And a friend got me, um, and I'm talking like hundreds of plants. And I was going to give away a lot of those. Well, and I've been gardening quite a long time, so normally I would separate my plants and I wouldn't think too much of it because I would isolate the new plants that I got. Well, a friend gave me some uh, pepper plants, like four pepper plants and four tomato plants. I take those outside and I put those with all my beautiful plants that I've been growing, right? That I just, man, I've been taking such good care of them. And I go to bed that night. I wake up the next morning and there are aphids everywhere. I did not realize that there was an infestation in those plants. I didn't even look them over that close. They looked good from the top, you know, just gave them the glance and yeah, they look good. Well, I lost a bunch of plants before I could even get a spray on there. Now, I did end up spraying those because I just didn't have the amount of beneficial bugs out there eating what I, you know, the aphid infestation that we had had. What I found out was they, they are using chemical fertilizers up there and they were giving too much nitrogen. And that is normally an indicator of aphids, especially like fruit trees and stuff. But we can get into that some other time. So. The way that I made my spray is I've got a backpack sprayer. Now, not all of you need a backpack sprayer unless you are serious about growing food. Okay. You can go to Harbor Freight. You can go buy a backpack sprayer or a little small sprayer. And you can use um, organic inputs to get rid of bugs easily. All you need is a little bit of whether it be uh, liquid soap, like cast style soap. Um, like the Dr. Bronner's, the peppermint, the eucalyptus, they've even got a tea tree oil soap. Um, that is really, really great. 
Um, just be careful about using tea tree oil um, in large amounts and make sure that you're washing all your produce and everything. But you can use agricultural soap as a wetting agent to actually apply many of your foliar sprays and your fertilizers and everything. But it also works great at killing bugs. Okay. There's actually a green tip that's a foaming tip that comes with that Harbor Freight backpack sprayer. Um, and that foaming tip is something that the Jadam, this is ultra low cost organic farming. Um, this is a wonderful series of books. This will talk about all of your own natural inputs, creating your own uh, uh, sulfur wetting agent, microbial solution. Um, and they actually talk about in here, let me, not Jadam sulfur, it is, here we go. This is the Jadam wetting agent. This is how to step-by-step step make your own liquid soap for agricultural input. Now, you can still use this soap for washing your own uh, clothing. Really nice photos and everything. Um, so you need 4.76 gallons of canola oil. You need uh, 7.05 pounds of potassium hydroxide. hydroxide um, 90%. And then you need uh, 21.79 gallons of really high quality filtered water. The better the filtered water or distilled water, the better the quality water, just the overall better the quality of the final product. And he talks about how to make this and, and it's completed in four days without heating. So, I mean, it's pretty incredible how he's doing this for such a low cost. So you can make your own inputs. If, if you'd like to, you'd like to keep it low cost, you can make your own. Uh, but I think it's 30 bucks a gallon for Dr. Bronner's and you're using like a tablespoon a gallon, I think, or, or something. It's, it's either a teaspoon or a tablespoon. He gives you, um, he gives you application rates for different, um, like different uses. So, in here, there in you can use the sulfur also to get rid of pests and disease. Um, David, we got a couple of comments in the in the chat and a couple of questions. Um, <clears throat> uh, Mr. Wordsworth says uh, neem oil, N E E M, neem oil can be used, and he mentions also uh, a product called organicide. And then uh, Sherry's asking, what about dish soap? using that um, um so neem oil i am it works it like don't get me wrong works great um i think that there are some potential health problems with using neem oil because it is a neurotoxin um based on what research i've done there's been a lot of research and not apply and the problem i worry about is that when you're using something that's highly toxic like that and you're using it in a sprayer and you're not using a respirator um, or protective gear at all is, you know, your skin is your largest organ. So if you're getting it on your skin, you're, you're going to be absorbing a certain amount of it. So I, that's why I'm not a big fan of neem oil, diatomaceous earth and uh, diatomaceous earth and soap yep. are how I get 99.9% .9 of my pests because I just, I, I try to set up things so I don't have issues. 
Yeah, and one of the things that uh, I was going to tell people, one of the neat little things that Dave and I talked about about dealing with fire ants was to bring your chickens over where the fire ants are and let them clean it out. I'd never heard that. And uh, so I'm I'm going to be doing that as soon as I, we had a lot of these large black carpenter ants that will like to get around where our trash can sit in the back of the yard. Uh, but uh, the fire ants, when they get out, man, they got a big mountain and the kids aren't paying attention. They'll run through it and they'll have a bazillion bites on their feet or, like, or something that'll swell up. And those things are no fun. So that, that was a neat little tip for dealing with those pests is by using your chickens. I mean, who would have thought? You need to use your chickens for those things, but uh, the, the, they're all about the bugs and things. Well, and another option is if they are, if your chickens are not used to free range or you don't have a situation where you can let them free range, you can build your own temporary fence. You can use that bright orange construction and or snow fence. You can use that with, uh, they make these, uh, they're like a T post, but they've got like a little, uh, uh, like a little H on the end. So you can put your shoe on them and push them down into the ground. Well, you can permanently attach those to some snow fencing, build your own temporary uh, area to close off the, uh, the chickens in there, and then you can put them in there. Another option would be is a lot of that taro ant bait and stuff actually is super, super simple to make. <clears throat> All you need is some, here, and I'll show you. I've got some right here, just by chance. And while you're while you're doing that, one of the things I'll, I'll let people know is uh, for the chickens. You know, a lot of a lot of people will go and spend a lot of money on these these carts because Dave was telling me about that. And I said, "Oh, well, we already have that. We bought an old trampoline for I don't know what it was, fifty bucks or something. Leave the top on it, buy some netting, and just run it around the outside of it. Now ours is a uh, the circle style; it's not the rectangle, but you could do it with the rectangle if you can do it." But this one actually had little little wheels like they were about this wide and they're like cylinders that just roll. And all you have to do is pick up one side of it and you can roll it. So you put your chickens in there, you lift up on it, you can roll it anywhere in the yard that you want it, you know, where you want them to, to feed, whether it's grass or whether it's bugs or whatever the case may be. So people can do that too if they want to, if they don't want to just let them run out, maybe you're somewhere where like we are, where there's a highway right in front of our house. We don't want them running out in the road or something like that. But that can be very useful as well. That's part of the reason why I talked about using snow fence and building a temporary fence is so you can close them off. Um, you know, especially during the summertime, that, that kind of time, is if you give them some type of a temporary structure and you've only got them there for a day or two, I mean, they are going to, those, those fire ants are like a delicacy. Chickens love insects. They will eat those ants over the chicken food that you normally feed them. Believe it or not, they will, they will prefer those. And I don't know why that is. It's got to be something to do with the nutritional content. But So this is homemade ant poison. It's a little bit on the thin side, but that's okay. It doesn't matter because it cost me pennies to make this. So this is very similar to like what you find in like taro and a lot of those ant poisons. Um, all it is is you're going to do sugar. You're going to melt sugar, and then you're going to take borax, and you're going to put those. I normally do them 50-50. A lot of people say you can't do that. seems to work really good for me. Um, and then I take some honey, and I add that in also. 
because I don't know what it is, but honey is like crack to, uh, to ants. And when you use just regular white sugar, yeah, they'll, they'll eat it, but they're not as enthusiastic about it. You put the honey in there and now you put like a tablespoon of honey in this thing and they take notice. Now, are you yeah. adding anything besides the borax, the honey and the uh, sugar? No water, no. anything like that? Oh, well, yeah, I'm, I'm adding hot water. Okay. It's, it's got um, it. Is the, the universal, I'm using that as a solvent because you have to have something that you're going to dissolve these things in. So um, the reason we're doing this, and, and you need to, like I said earlier, you've got to be able to identify your pest and know what the issue is. So like with fire ants, they're not looking, they're not building, for my comprehension, fire ants don't go and build, um, like, you know, the little black, uh, people call them piss ants, uh, the small little tiny ants. Those ants actually take and they take uh, organic matter and they material and they go and they, they grow fungus and they eat the fungus. That's how the whole colony survives. Well, borax is a natural fungicide. So when you put the sugar with the borax, what happens is they bring all the sugar, sugary stuff down to their layer and it kills all that fungus that the colony's been eating, then the whole colony dies. So if you get them in a place that's very inconvenient, that's a really easy way to kill them without having to dig, without having to, you know, I've tried so many things. Excuse me. I've tried so many things over the years. It seems to be the only effective way to deal with certain types of ants. Um, fire ants, chickens, I mean... They're like little, the, the chickens are like little ninjas. They just sit there and they eat the fire ants. And then the fire ants get more and more ticked off. So they go to try to attack the chickens. And then the chickens want to eat even more of them. They're like, ooh, they're like fiery little, <laughs> they're like fiery little, like spicy little red things. I better eat some more of these. <laughs> yeah, get some slap your mama hot sauce and throw on the puppies. Yeah. It's, well, and I've noticed that my chickens will eat the things. They will eat, they will prefer the things that I never thought they would prefer, you know, like mealworms, things like that. That's really what they, they want the insects. Oh, we've, we've had with our chickens. I know one of the things that, that we've done is uh, my wife will actually get those because they make them dried. I, are they, they um, dehydrate them and they put them in bags. They sell them down there because I haven't seen that we have any of those here. So that's just a. Yeah, we, we probably do. I just I haven't seen them, but but we'll have those to them, and we'll we'll toss out some of those as well uh, in the food and and things as well. Here's here's a live mealworm, one that I'm raising. Okay, it's a one. I don't know if you can see yep. that. You can see, and him. and then here is one uh, that is getting ready to turn into a beetle. If I can get him without smashing him. Ugh. Here he is. <laughs> See that? Ooh. There he is. Yep. So you can raise your own mealworm super easy. Like, I mean, like kindergarten easy. Um, all you need is you can take, this is actually one of the projects. I don't know. Uh, anyhow, you can take a small, you know, the, the little Tupperware containers have small trays like that that go down. Yeah. You can take those. You can cut the bottoms out of them. You can glue in pieces of screen. So then you can take your uh, rolled oats or whatever. 
you put your mealworms in there and then you can run your fingers through there and then all of the poop, the frass and all that goes down to the next layer and the next layer and the next layer. What you do is you put your beetles at the very top and then you have your most immature at the very bottom. If that makes sense, you're going to go through that every day. You're going to make sure everyone's got plenty of food, some type of water source, all that. And you can propagate your mealworms a hundred times faster that way. Hmm. That's really interesting. Real interesting. Mm-hmm. Right. That's pro- I've got the I've got the supplies to do the project. It's just having the time. Uh, yeah, we we need a little more time during the day, don't we? <laughs> All right, David. So, is there any other thing that you wanted to touch on in this in this issue here? There is one thing that I'd okay. like to touch on. That if it's if it works, it's not stupid. So, don't take offense if something that you do works for you. Um, I would say try to stay away from the pesticides as much as you can. You know, a lot of that stuff is not good for you. Um, a lot of the herbs, uh, herbicides, and pesticides are not good for you. That's why I, I, I'm telling you guys, if there was one book on farming that I could give to a friend, it would probably be this one. Um, and the reason for that is, is because it gives you so many options to deal with predatory pests in the garden. Um, I mean, he was the guy brought in by the Hawaiian government to fix their coffee bore um, problem. He was the guy who saved the organic um, coffee industry in Hawaii. Um, so when you can do something that amazing and turn something around that quickly, you might want to take note of what that guy's doing. Um, as far as homesteading, in general, homesteading, you, you can't be discouraged. You know, everything's a learning experience. You're going to make mistakes. Don't get discouraged about it. You know, worry is a sin. Don't get worried. Don't get discouraged. Just keep moving forward. Yep. Amen. Amen. That's exactly right. And and we we see that not only in uh, the homestead, we see it in every aspect of our life uh, to where we're to be learning from. And, and preferably, we learn from the mistakes of others so we don't commit the same mistakes. Uh, that's for sure. And as you said, uh, some people are going, it's a sin to worry. Yeah. Jesus said, don't give thought. Uh, you know, today's got enough trouble of its own. Don't be worried about what tomorrow is. And that's where he talks about, you know, God has clothed the the flowers of the field. Will he not care for you? He provides for the birds of the air. Does he not provide that? Are you not worth more than, you know, the sparrow? Uh, All of these kinds of things. And so if our Heavenly Father, if we actually believe he's looking over us in those in those areas, then we can trust him in that. We have to do our duty and leave the results up to him. And, and I would also say that you are the most powerful prophetic voice in your life. So if you are constantly speaking death into everything, if you're not, if you're not um, having a good spirit in, in things, you know, if you don't have a good attitude now, how are you going to have a good attitude later? You know, you only have control over yourself, not over others. So take control over your input, which is your perception of things. You know, the facts don't change. Okay, so yeah, it can be a crappy day, but you can enjoy a crappy day just as good as you can a bad or a good day. The thing is, is it's your perception of the day that makes it crappy or good. Um, so just make every day a good day. You know, every day is a learning experience. Every day is an adventure. And stop, um, stop speaking negatively about things that are good. You know, Thomas Edison, uh, Nikola Tesla, all these 
great inventors, now we can get into that debate some other time, but all these great inventors that you see in the world, they learned from their mistakes. And if they wouldn't have had bad days, they couldn't have had good days. The problem is, is that when you get in this mentality of this Hollywood mentality that every day is supposed to be picture perfect, you really can't move forward. Yeah. Wasn't that Edison who said, you know, it took him whatever, a thousand times to try to make the light bulb. And they said, well, what did you learn? And he says, well, I learned 999 ways not how to make a light bulb. <laughs> uh, so, so there is, there, there's learning in that. And that can, that, that uh, knowledge that you gain from these things, you're passing on. I, you shared some stuff with people here. Uh, I've learned some stuff this morning. I'm sure some other people have. A lot of people say thank you uh, for coming on. Lots of good information um, and some wise words here at the end. And so, David, we really appreciate you. Uh, if you guys want to check out David, um, you can go to themiraclesav.com. It's Pruitt Tree Resin Ministries. Uh, once you're there, if you want to click on the shop, and by the way, they have testimonials here too about their products from real people who got them, who use them. Uh, one of them is a mutual friend of ours, uh, Lori Anderson. I showed you guys that. I think the first show we did, David, where she had cut the tip of her finger off with a with a rip saw. She was doing some work in her house and used some of his. Um, uh, was it the Miracle Salve or was it the Super Cocoa? Or you remember? Hold on, I, I've got you muted. Ah. I went ahead and muted you. Go ahead. What was she using? I I think she used, so I know that we sent her both the Super Cocoa Resin and the Super Pab. Okay. Um, I think she used the Super Cocoa Resin because it was so, it was so tender for a while. Okay. You know. But by the time, was, but you can see the pictures on the website. They're under testimonials. And um, we're talking about... By the time she was done, you couldn't even tell. You could barely even tell that anything had been done, and you had to look really close. And she gave the progression of that over over a couple of months. But it's it's pretty incredible. So if you guys want to pick that up, also the humic and fulvic acid you can find in this area here, property uh, herbal form formulas. If you guys are looking for for that stuff, I can tell you, David, my son came down yesterday or the day before. Now I, I don't know how long I've been taking that maybe about a month or so, something like that. He said, Dad, boy, you, you really have lost some weight. Now, I'm not overly heavy or anything. I'm maybe like 15 pounds. I was 15 or 20 pounds overweight, and it was right there in my gut. And I've been doing this every day. I'm doing it now. This is That's what that is. It isn't tea. It's the humic fulvic acid in the chlorine dioxide water. So I'm getting a lot of stuff going on here. And um, he said... He says, you look really thin. I went in there and weighed myself. I, I've lost like 13 pounds since I've done that. And I haven't overexerted myself with anything like that. I've just basically been doing this and my diet pretty much stays the same way it is. So that's just for me using the stuff. And then I'm sure I'm getting those trace minerals and, th and things as well. So I'm getting detoxification. I'm getting trace minerals from that. And um, so I'm, I'm pretty happy with that. The fact that my son, he said, I noticed your belly was way down. <laughs> it's just kind of funny. But uh, but yeah, I can testify that that's, that's been part of my experience there. You've got less of a belly on you than I've got. <laughs> but that's what... <laughs> so glad to hear that, you know, and that, that's something. And I, I think that that, um, you know, when we put together the Fulvic and the Humic kits, it was because we were so disgusted by seeing how expensive a lot of these liquid, fulvic, and humic 
solutions were on the market. And I know that they're using the same supplier um, because I've spoken to a few of the companies. And the thing that really upset me was, you know, for like an ounce, they want, you know, 80, 80, yeah. whatever it is. Yeah, for, people... For yeah, people can go on, and I've told them. I, I think I showed them when we were talking about that. They can go on Amazon, put in put in the fulvic humic acid, and you'll spend eighty dollars or so for like an ounce and a half or something like that. If you go if you go here to uh, to David's site, you'll find he's got the black gold, he's got the fulvic gold, but then he's got this gold standard kit. Now this is what I use. Uh, David gives you the bottles, he gives you the funnels, he gives you both packs, and the the literally. Um, the, the scoop that's used in there is about, it's about the size of my little finger right on the end. Okay. And I think David, what do we do? We did, uh, the yellow, we did 12 little scoops. It's hardly anything is what it looks like. And then eight scoops of the black, you pour boiling water in there, shake it up, let it cool off, obviously. And, uh, I just take a whole dropper full. I dump it in the water. I dump it in the coffee. Um, and basically David, I I actually do it a lot more than three times a day. I do it pretty much whatever I drink. Occasionally, I just have just a straight glass of water, but I'll do that. And like I say, I, I, I went in there. I was kind of shocked uh, that my weight had dropped that much. But, uh, but I think as the weight comes off, it's coming off slow, which is a good thing, because I heard if you lose weight fast, you'll put it on fast and add something else. And I always had a problem putting on weight until I got out of doing what I was doing and sitting in the chair now. But uh, if people want to do that, when you go there, use the promo code Sons of Liberty. David's going to give you 10% off the products too. So be sure and take advantage of that if you guys are looking for that. And Kate has made mention of this. This is how uh, David and I got into talking about this particular product because Kate said this was a great detoxifier, uh, mentioned the trace minerals on one of the shows that we had, and uh, Kate's going to be dealing with David as well, from what I understand, as soon as her site gets all set up. She's just having such trouble finding somebody to set it up for her. So if you guys want that or any of the other products David and his family have there at themiraclesav.com, you sons of liberty, you'll get 10% off, all right? And you'll get some good products, and you'll be helping out uh, some people who love the Lord and love their fellow man, and that's the most important. Now, David's going to be back with us tomorrow. I don't know if we have if we have determined what our subject matter is going to be. We'll let that be a surprise for you guys. You'll just have to tune in in the morning and uh, find out. But Lord willing, we'll be back with you at 6 a.m., and we'll see you then.